May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Here in the States, we had Rosie the Riveter. Have you ever seen those posters? You aware of Britain's rough equivalent of that poster? It was in the midst of the terror and tragedy of war, the, the spirit of service and sacrifice was, was pulsing through the nation, but morale could use a boost. Winston Churchill gave a speech to a gathering of coal miners, lowly coal miners, often unappreciated coal miners. And he told them to, to think way into the future to a, a family gathering where the young child comes up and asks, Granddad, what did you do during the Great War? He said, there certainly will be those who, who will say, I, I, I was in the, the submarine service and I cleared the seas for our naval victories. Another would boast of, 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 of the heroic act. I was a fighter pilot taken on the German Luftwaffe. Another would tell of the great deeds in the army. But he said, you, you coal workers, you will say, I was deep in the earth with my face to the coal. I fueled those ships and I moved those supplies. I cut the coal. And it wasn't long before there were posters popping up in Britain's workplaces with a picture of Churchill with words from that speech on it. And big and bold right in the middle, I cut the coal. Never before had coal mining been so glamorous. But you see what he did, it wasn't just the, the coal mining itself. It was being a part of something greater. Doing your part, doing what is necessary, fulfilling your purpose, being a part of, of something much better. I cut the coal. Friends, Jesus today tells you that you are a part of something bigger. That you don't have to hear that sound anymore. <laughs> I was watching everyone's faces, and I'm like, should I stop? <clears throat> but, okay, so we got the Churchill thing. But you, you are a part of something bigger. You're a part of something much greater than yourself. Jesus says it's the cross, right? It's the chief symbol of Christianity. It's at the highest place on our church building, if you look outside. It, it's right up here in front in the sanctuary. Many of you have it around your neck or on your wrist or even on your finger. This, this symbol of execution and torture, and you call it a thing of beauty. And you know why. Jesus died on the cross to save you. It shows how much he loves you. But today Jesus says it's even more than that. He says you get to carry it. You get to wear it. You heard Vicar read it in the gospel. I'll read it again. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Today Jesus teaches us to rethink suffering under the cross, starting with his. 
our text from Mark 8 is sandwiched right between two stories that, that we've heard real recently in sermons uh, in the last few weeks here. So uh, this is right after, actually it's a part of the story when Jesus asked the disciples who they said he was and Peter gave that great confession, you are the Christ, right? And this story is right before Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up that mountain, that Mount of Transfiguration, and he shows them his glory. Those were two high points, peaks of Peter's life. Today we get the valley in between them, right? So Jesus had just or Peter had just confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the, the, the promised Messiah, the, the, the Son of God, the one the people of Israel had been waiting for, the, the promised Savior of the world. And so Jesus starts teaching them what exactly that means. He doesn't pull any punches. He speaks very clearly what the Christ, what it meant to be the Christ, what the Christ had to do. Let me use his words. This is verse 31. <coughs> The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. This is what must happen. The Greek word there is translated, it is necessary. So why was this necessary? Well, because that's what God had promised. That's what God had promised the Savior would do. And for Christians who wear an instrument of torture and execution as a piece of jewelry, you'd think we'd get this. But all too often, we do what Peter does here. All too often, we think about King Jesus, right? That's good. He is, he is king, right? We think about transfiguration Jesus. We think about Jesus, the true God, the one who's in control. And, 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 and well, if God's in control, then my life should be peaceful and, and victorious. And, and I shouldn't have too many problems, right? And if someone picks on me, well, God, you should put them in their place, right? Way too often we do what Peter does in our text, right? You see that? He pulls Jesus aside and it says he rebukes him. No, 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 no talking like that, Jesus. We're not talking about suffering and death. You're king, Jesus, remember? You're in control, so, so do what I want because you're king. Right? Make my life better, according to my definition of better. Friends, it's never a good idea to contradict Jesus when we're quiet. Listen to what he says to Peter. Verse 33, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus was not going to be dissuaded. He had come here for a reason, to be the Christ, which meant he had come here for the cross. That's why he called it necessary. He wasn't going to let Satan dissuade him from from. from doing what he came here to do. He wasn't going to let that temptation cause him to back away from the cross. He wasn't going to let this world's comforts be more important to him than winning that world's joys for us, even though we were the ones who were fighting against the cross. He did it because all too often we don't recognize what life under the cross is. We need to rethink suffering under the cross. To start thinking more, as he says, the things of God 
instead of the things of men. So maybe we should back up and, and talk about just what the cross is for a Christian. Right? Jesus' cross, we know what that was. That his crucifixion, he died on it, the plan of salvation, all of that, that's Jesus' cross. Our crosses are what come to us, what happened to us, because we are connected to him in his cross. I love how, how one commentator put it. He said, the wicked have many sorrows, but no crosses. The cross is that suffering alone which results from our faithful connection with Christ. In other words, our crosses aren't just anything bad that happens to us. But they are what happened to us because we are Christians. Even if we don't know that that's why it's happening to us. I mean, think about Job in our first reading. He didn't know why that stuff was happening to him, why he lost everything, why he was suffering. He wasn't there when, when Satan challenged God, saying, Job only believes in you because you've been so good to him. He didn't know that what he was suffering was because of his faith, but he was faithful. He acted as a believer, realizing that everything is from God and we're just taking care of it temporarily. And, and now that, that it was gone, it just meant that he was relieved of his responsibility to care for those things that God had given him for a time. And so his response, even to suffering, was worship. Let the name of the Lord be praised. And God built him through that. He benefited Job with a stronger relationship with God, as you see if you read the rest of that book. Or, or Paul, in our second reading, he talked about how our, our sufferings produce perseverance, right? We have to get through them, we, and we learn how to get through them with God's help. And he says that develops our character. It makes us who we are. And who we are are people who hope, who trust in God. That's why Jesus says what he does in, in the next verse. Whoever wants to be my disciple must, it is necessary, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We need our crosses because they are productive for us, constructive. Right? Jesus' cross paid for our sins. Our crosses don't pay for anything. Jesus did that in full. It is finished, all that. But our crosses, we need them because they, they build things in us. So what's the cross that God's given you to bear that is so good for you? Maybe your cross is not doing all the things your neighbor does because you've committed several hours a week, including a couple here this morning, to be in God's house and in his word because that builds you up. Maybe your cross is that you don't have all the things your neighbor does because, well, you've committed to give the first 10% of your income to, to God's work because God has said it's necessary for us to give trusting, first fruit, sacrificial offerings because that builds us up into generous, purpose-driven people. Maybe your cross is being thought of as too Christian and so you don't get invited well, that helps show who your real friends are and ultimately what a friend you have in Jesus. Maybe your cross is a bad grade because you refuse to cheat 
Maybe it's uh, a mispromotion because you refuse to slander. Maybe your cross is a harsh punishment because you refuse to lie. Whatever it is, whatever suffering comes to you because you are being what God has called you to be, that's your cross. And God is building you through it. So it's not for us to avoid. Look at what Jesus asks in verse 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, we know that this earthly stuff is temporary, right? And that heaven is eternal. But yet, we do way too often sell our souls for much, much less than the whole world. And what does it get us? Think about it. What did you sell your soul for this week? Where did you choose earth over heaven? Flesh over spirit, Satan over God, your way over his. <clears throat> Was it in the sin of the flesh? How long did that pleasure last? Was it in materialism? Materialistic? Us? What? Well, when we easily click away $100 for a, a, a cell phone bill or, or some TV channels or, or a, a Grubhub order, but $20 is more than enough for an offering for God's work, how do you think God sees that? Did you sell your soul in selfishness and bitterness in that relationship with, with that person? You're, you're holding a grudge and, and hope they pay? We sell our souls and... And what does it bring us? Does that sense of superiority accomplish anything? Or the money that, that should have gone to your heavenly father but went to Papa John and said, does the pleasure last longer than the heartburn? Of course not. So Jesus tells us, deny yourself. Take up your cross, your connection with Christ, and follow him. And remember who you are following. The one who took his cross for you. The one who suffered everything to make you his. And now he invites you to be connected to him and his love. And he has great blessing for you in it, even if it means sacrificing some time or money or, or even your professional athlete aspirations for your kids because you have something better in mind, the, the things of God. And then like those coal miners in Britain had joy in their dirty work that they were doing towards that greater war effort, we can have the joy we see in following Jesus. In, in, in being part of his work as he uses our crosses to help us and others to bring more and more people to the cross. In fact, next week we get to celebrate 20 years of what God has been building through us carrying our crosses together as a congregation. So come back here every week in Lent and find joy in what it means that we get to suffer under the cross. God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 11 in the bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, 
begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, you suffered many things at the hands of sinners for sinners. You took up a cross for us. You were betrayed for us. You suffered for us. You died for us. Also that we could be justified, no longer enemies of God, but reconciled through you. Seeing all you have done for us, help us too to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Even when it means sacrificing the worldly things we love. Then help us to see the true joy in suffering with you, Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we ask you this morning to bring a rich measure of your comfort and peace to Bobby Rosales and her family as her father passed away Thursday morning. We thank you for the many years of grace you showed him and the eternal grace and bliss he knows so well now. As his family mourns, give them hope and faith that we do not grieve as the rest of the world. For Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God brings with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we also ask that you bless the doctors and all those who will be working on Bob Finch this Wednesday when he has surgery. Give him a strong faith and trust as he goes in for that. And to know that you are behind all things and working for his good through this surgery. Bless him in the aftermath and as he recovers. We ask all this, Lord, in your mercy. And he now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. All these we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. At this time, we'll give to the Lord our offerings, and as we do, you'll find the friendship registers passed out to you. We ask you to fill those out as they help us greatly as we do what God has called us to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lived among us as a human being and revealed his glory as your only Son, full of grace and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Lord God, you are worthy to receive thanks and praise from all people. You created the world and all who live in it, and in your mercy you saved us. We give you thanks. We give thanks to you for the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Though in very nature God, he took the nature of a servant and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He offered himself as a sacrifice for sin and redeemed us from its curse and penalty. He rescued us from the terrors of death and restored eternal life with you. He conquered our enemies and gained for us the kingdom of grace and glory. Bless us as we receive your son's body and blood and lead us to remember his suffering, death, and resurrection. Forgive our sins and fill us with the hope of new life in heaven. Hear our praise and receive our thanks as we worship you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.